You can't ride in my little red wagon. You can't ride in my little red wagon. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Chugga, 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 chugga. Suck it, verse, suck it, verse. A whole lot louder and a whole lot. What's up, y'all? This is Nick Bartlett. I'm a broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer over at OregonSportsNews.com. And I've had over 50 articles featured in the Seattle Post-Intelliger. And this is going to be a Sports Pack 12 original, The Nick Bartlett Show. So this is going to be a run-of-the-mill sports show talking about Pac-12, hot topics of the week. And one thing I want to stress is that I'm not much different than you guys. Seriously, I work a day job. My opinion is no more valuable than yours. And I'm just grateful for your viewership, your listenership. And without further ado, let's get straight to some Pac-12 action. Thanks for tuning in. You out there all probably pretty frustrated with the Pac-12 season. Pretty obvious our teams have now been eliminated from the college football playoff. And who knows when the next round of cancellations will take place. I feel ya. I'm a little bit frustrated myself, but I don't know if it's because of the exact same reasons. Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody. This week, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently, but pretty much the same, just a tad bit different. So in today's episode, I'm going to go on a rant on how media seems to blast officials for no freaking reason. Sensing the frustration, you're going to get some more. I'm going to talk about what a great week of Pac-12 football. As promised, as promised, I'm going to give Oregon State some shine today. Their phenomenal win over the Ducks. And then we'll take a quick look at the division races. And as always, Bartlett's random topic of the day. Okay, that was a lot for the introduction. Essentially, I'm about to kick you with the rant. We're going to talk about the Beavers. We're going to talk about the division races. And then Bartlett's random topic of the day. So, we're on the same page, baby, with the level of frustration. And I've been holding this in for a while. I'm not going to front, man. Like, when I saw a bunch of tweets... Five or six days ago, I figured I'd wait it out, maybe do my show a day later this week, and see if some of the frustration and anger subsided. Well, guess what? It didn't. And I'm going to be going at some of the high authority Pac-12 people here. I'm not going to say their names. I don't like to do that sort of thing. But yeah, let's just get to it. But, 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 whatever. Let's just get to it. So after the Oregon State-Oregon game, I saw multiple verified Twitter sources, high Pac-12 media, high authority, all going after the officials for the call where they didn't say that Jebbia got in the end zone. I believe it was a second down play, maybe a third down, maybe a third down play. Either way, either way, dude, I've seen multiple sources go at the refs and say that if they'd made the right call that Tristan Jebbia, Oregon State's quarterback, wouldn't have hurt his leg, that is irresponsible journalism. That is irresponsible journalism. There is no other way around it. And to say that not only hurts your own credibility, it hurts the Pac-12's credibility. Can I say that word credibility? Whatever. And if you were so high and mighty about the officials breaking, I guess he didn't break his leg, but hurting a player 
then go freaking quit the media, stop writing, stop podcasting, go get some damn pinstripes, and ref the game yourself, some zebra stripes. This is absurd. It's absolutely absurd to say that a missed call caused a college kid to get injured. It's, wow, I almost swore. I'm trying to keep it as appropriate as possible. It's blasphemous to quote Stephen A. Smith. It's wrong. It's not appropriate. And I don't care how high level your authority is, how high and mighty you think you are, how you may be some top Pac-12 guys out there. It's freaking irresponsible and it's detrimental to the conference as a whole. And the play in question, the refs probably made the right call. Now, if you were watching the game again, I believe it was second down, maybe third down. Jebby went in on a QB sneak and he may have gotten across the end zone. He may have, okay? And by the eye test, you can say he probably got in. But from replays from multiple, multiple, multiple angles, there was no definitive, really no definitive proof that the ball crossed the line. You could assume it, unless you're on acid or something. I've actually never done acid, but from what I've heard, unless you're on acid and you could see through the players and maybe the ball turned light green and flowed through the air, maybe then you could have seen the ball cross the line. But from all the replays I saw, there was no definitive answer. So what are y'all doing out there, media? Again, I've seen this on multiple high pactual sources, and it's a bunch of bullshit. It's embarrassing. It is freaking embarrassing. And the thing is, the refs made the right damn call. They followed the rules to a T. I mean, what would you said if the Beavers won on that QB sneak and it was second down, and Oregon's season was basically screwed after, not screwed, but the college football playoff chances, and would the media now flip the other way, saying that the refs needed definitive answer? Because that seems biased to me one way or another. All right. All right. I'm going to cool down. So I waited five days. I'm halfway through my cup of chamomile tea. Maybe I should have drank the whole cup before. <laughs> but seriously, man, it, it just frustrates me. It really frustrates me. And the reason why is, granted, officials are people too. And as a basketball coach, one of my rules is that I never talk to the officials unless it's literally a huge, huge player safety issue. I will not say a word to the officials. I'll shake their hands and let them do their job. And grand, you're saying, Nick, well, this was an injury situation. No, on second down, it was just a goal line touchdown or one yard line type play. It wasn't like an injury occurred on that play. It was the next play that had absolutely nothing to do with it. So... I'm going to stop there, but the reason why I'm really so mad about this is you're now putting the emphasis on the officials when Oregon State just played probably the game of the year in the Pac-12 and pulled off a truly remarkable upset. Phenomenal, remarkable, whatever the word may be. It was a blast to watch, man. The Ducks played great, the Beavers played great, and it was a high-quality rivalry game, and you're putting the emphasis on the officials. That's a load of crap. All your high-authority Pac-12 media members... Get your shit in check. That's irresponsible journalism. To say that the refs called caused an injury because of a right call. Are you just looking for views? Or is this really your belief system? Are you just copying someone else? Okay. All right. <laughs> deep breath. Deep, deep, 
deep, deep, deep breath, Nick. Okay. So the reason I am so mad as I just stated was that the Oregon versus Oregon State game was, again, just probably the game of the year in the Pac-12. And looking around the conference in its entirety, what a great slate of games. Yes, the Pac-12 got eliminated from the college football playoff by all reasonable considerations. But if you just look at three out of the four matchups, with the aforementioned Oregon State versus Oregon game, you had Stanford versus Cal, which Stanford won on a blocked extra point, and you had UW versus Utah, in which UW came from behind, was it 24-0 there, chilling at halftime, or 21-0? Either way, they were trailing by an enormous amount of halftime and came back to win the game on the final drive. Those are three phenomenal Pac-12 games, and we're talking about referees. You're starting to see my issue. As someone who loves football, this is the most fun I've had watching the Pac-12 in a long time. Really, really, really. I mean, I got to watch the majority of the Oregon State versus Oregon game. Got to watch the majority of Utah versus Utah. Turned in right in time for Stanford versus Cal to watch the blocked extra points. So really, just a phenomenal week of action on the gridiron. And these kids deserve their credit. We don't need to be talking about a non-missed call. Okay, moving on here. As promised last week, I said I'd give Oregon State or UCLA shine if they won. Well, looks like the Beavers took care of business. And in what phenomenal fashion. What an amazing, amazing performance. They were outmatched talent-wise. They were they were just not supposed to be in this game by any means necessary. This is the big bag dust. A top 10 team in the nation. Maybe not ranking, in my opinion, top 10 for sure. But Oregon State, under-talented, less-recruited players, playing their big brother, stepped up and just found a way to win, man. I mean, you're going to sneak the ball in on fourth goal with like a backup third-string quarterback. That's just that's just amazing. This isn't everyday stuff. And whether it's the 2020 weird pandemic season or not, that game will go down in Pac-12 history is probably one of the best Oregon State rivalry football games ever. I don't know what to call this matchup right now, so I'm sticking with that. <laughs> I really like what they do with the Washington football team. Obviously, that's where I got that. So, let's talk about the Beavers now. Jonathan Smith, over the last two years, has changed the face of this program. This was a program that was an afterthought, a laughing stock. It was just that team. It was the homecoming team. You wanted to schedule them for homecoming because you know you had an easy win, and it was going to be an easy win. I didn't pull up the stats for this one because I'm not concerned about their past. I'm concerned about them in the current moment. But I believe they had like two two-win seasons and maybe even a one-win season out there. Again, do not quote me on that. I'm not into talking about their past here. I'm talking about the improvements they made so far under Jonathan Smith. Looking at them last year, they were one call away from really, or one play away from making a bowl game. The, I've talked about before the game against WSU. They went front fourth down, didn't get it. Ended up losing in the last play of the game on a Cougars touchdown. And it looked like they might not be able to respond from that. I mean, this season looked like it started off on a really, really bad note. But now that we've seen the way the conference played out, really shows you that the Beavers may be one of the best teams in the North. I said may. If they played Oregon again, Oregon would smack them all over the field. <laughs> Let's get that straight. But... If you look at their schedule, they lost to WSU 28-38. WSU's proven a very good team when they're actually on the gridiron this year. They lost at Washington 21-27, in which a lot of people would argue that there was a blown call. 
And that call may have been a little bit more unreasonable. But again, I'm not here to talk about refs. I, I don't care. They didn't win the game. They lost regardless of a call. Got to respect the call. The refs are people too doing the best they can. But from other people's viewpoint, they probably should have beaten Washington. And Washington is now the clear, not the clear favorite, but definitely in the front runner to win the North right now alongside the Ducks. After that, they played Cal and won 31-27. to That was an impressive victory. I think that Cal, even with their struggles this year under Justin Wilcox, is always well coached. Not sure what's happening there with them this year, but either way, Oregon State got that first victory of the year and improved to 1-2. and two. And then, obviously, the game last week against Oregon to get to 2-2. Two and two. And you're just looking at it. With the tough way last season ended, with the 0-2 start, this program could have hit the bottom like that. I don't know if you heard my snap through the microphone. Like that, baby. And if they lost to Oregon... One and three? I mean, that's not good. You're putting a lot of pressure on it. Now you're two and two and probably going to get some type of postseason invitation, some bowl berth. I mean, who knows how the Bulls are going to play out this year, but they should get some option. And they just, they could have folded, man. They could have folded and they didn't. And this is respected Jonathan Smith on all levels. Talent-wise, the Beavers... They're decent. I mean, they're a Pac-12 team. They're still Pac-12 players. They're very solid. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Jermark Jefferson. He's an absolute stud. But the rest of the gang, you know, probably not comparable to like a USC or a Washington or Oregon, obviously, even though they won. We're talking about most times, not one game. And this team has found a way to continually fight, continually battle, and really bring some pride to Corvallis, some well-deserved pride. So... I do want to talk about some of the players who've impacted them this year. And we're going to start with, obviously, Jamar Jefferson. He's the stud running back, propelled them to the victory over the Ducks. And his season stats read 675 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, and 7 touchdowns. We have Tristan Jebbia, who is a quarterback I really like. I mean, he hasn't necessarily found his groove or his rhythm yet at the collegiate level. But you can tell there's some good stuff coming. He really has a high understanding of the game. The stats may not back this up, but it just seems like he may not have that next tier arm strength and be able to make all the throws that an elite quarterback would make, but he makes, he does enough. He does enough. He lets Jamar Jefferson do the bulk of the work and kind of just complete some passes here and there. Again, it's just his, 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 His statistics aren't remarkable. He's thrown for 824 yards, three touchdowns, and three interceptions. But they're 2-2 with the victory over the Ducks. I think that speaks louder than the statistics. Obviously, we hope that his injury isn't too bad. I heard that it was a hamstring, and it'll probably keep him out next week. We'll see how much longer that may keep him out. We hope the kid comes back. But either way... If Even if he's out for a long time and this takes longer than expected to heal, he proved his point. The man's a legend. The man's a legend. He beat the Ducks. He beat the Ducks. That that doesn't happen every year in Corvallis. He beat their rival, man. So Jebbia has done everything for Corvallis just in that alone. 
Another receiver, or excuse me, another player is going to be a receiver, Teron Bradford. 21 catches, 219 yards, and one touchdowns. I think he's actually probably one of the sneakiest receivers in the Pac-12. Probably doesn't get a lot of credit. Again, 219 yards in four games, only one touchdown. But the fact that he was able to create separation against the Ducks corner says that he's probably pretty near elite in the Pac-12. Maybe not a top five receiver, but definitely a top 10 receiver in conference. Trevon Bradford, another name to remember. You got Colby Taylor. I'm Guys, I'm almost done with all the names here, but I really want to give these players some love. Oregon State deserves this. It's not all Jonathan Smith. The players do make plays as well. So we got three more names, and then I will move forth with it. But give these kids some love, man. They just pulled off such a cool upset, such a cool upset, and have been competing all year. So another wideout is going to be Colby Taylor. 17 receptions for 193 yards. I'm not going to BS you. I haven't watched him enough to really make a complete analysis. He seems to me to be a little bit better than an average receiver in the Pac-12. Probably on that good standing, but in terms of his actual physical attributes, I'd be lying if I said I knew the deep details of him. On the defense side of the ball, you got Avery Roberts, who has 44 tackles, 0.5 sacks, or a sack, and three tackles for a loss. Been the unexpected leader on the defensive end of the ball this year. I think a lot of people are expecting Hamilcar Rashad Jr. to fulfill that role. I think he may have actually been All-American honors. Um, again, do not quote me on that. Definitely all Pac-12 first-team honors, at least expected before the year. But Avery Roberts has fulfilled the role. And he's been the guy leading the linebacking core, which is probably the strongest group on the Beavers. So that's another name to really remember. And the last name I'm going to throw out there today is going to be Jadon Grant who has 16 tackles and two interceptions, had that key pick against the Ducks. Uh, I believe it was like a, what was it? It was like a quick slant he jumped. I think it was a quick slant he jumped against um, Tyler Shuck. So he made a huge play in the Oregon State rivalry game as well. And those are the names I want you to remember. You don't have to remember all of them. I mean, I just threw out six. But just respect the Beavers, man. These players are working hard. And really changed the face of the program. And as someone who went to WSU, and I actually started college back in 2009 when the Cougs were in the midst of that just worst <laughs> team in probably major conference college football history, I know how it is to watch a team that's just been so bad and not like just losing games and going 2 11, but getting blown out every single week. And the Beavers have now change their program forever with this victory. Again, if they had lost and started off one and three, did that Camille T just said enough? Like I just relaxed a little bit. But if they had lost and went back to that one and three, then they really could have been that team that went right back to the dweller. And talent wise, they're obviously not on par with the leads as I stated before. So if they went back to that bottom place, they wouldn't have came out. So great work, Beavers. It is Awesome to see. Great work. And just as a Pac-12 fan, I'm really proud to see the steps this program has made. Whether it's Jonathan Smith, at head coach. Whether it's the players, Jamar Jefferson. Whether it's Avery Roberts. I mean, whoever and whatever the combination of factors is working together. Go Beavs right now. The Pac-12 should be cheering for them. This team plays football the right way. They play hard. They're a fun watch. And I respect this team thoroughly. That's going to do it for my coverage on the Beavs today. We're going to switch it up again. Like I said at the top of the show, 
pretty much the same thing, but a little bit different. Obviously, with our teams being eliminated from the college football playoff, we still got some teams at the top to look at here. Not in regards to national championship consideration, but in regards to winning our actual conference, which still a heck of a lot of fun, man. I still love Pac-12 football. We may not be making the college football playoff, but we still got some division races to watch. So that's pretty darn cool, man. For real. I mean, that, that's cool to me, at least. So in the North, nothing really changed from last week. Oregon versus Washington is still absolutely everything. I mean, everything it usually is in the North, but now it even means more for the Ducks. I picked us season win the conference from the beginning of the year, but I stand by that. I do want to say that. I, I fully stand by that. But I do think the Huskies are probably in a bit more trouble now that the Ducks have lost to Oregon State. I expect UO to come back with fire lit under their booty. I think they're going to be so vicious the, the rest of the year. Two more regular season games. We'll have to see about a Pac-12 championship and maybe a Rose Bowl type season for the Ducks. But they're going to come back with fire. And if you're looking at the Huskies... With that terrible first half, just awful first half against the Utes and a freshman quarterback in Dylan Morris leading them all the way back, they gained a heck of a lot of confidence. So that is really leading to a fun, fun, fun matchup. Oregon not going to be sleeping anymore. They're woken up. They're ready to play. Huskies gaining confidence, specifically their quarterback. The defense was already good. So that is setting up for a very awesome way to end the Pac-12 season. I am pumped to watch that game. In the South, I know a lot of people are probably sold on, not sold on, but thinking Colorado may be a team who has a chance. I still don't think they're that good. I, I know they're 3-0. I know they have some impressive victories this year. But at the beginning of the year, I said they sucked. That slowly moved to average. Eh, yeah, we'll give them average now. I think I switched them from suck to bad last week. So we'll give them average now. A win over San Diego State is actually a very respectable win. San Diego State has had like something like seven, eight, nine, ten straight winning seasons. So respect that win by the Buffs. But for me, again, I still just think they're average. <laughs> I just got to keep it 100. I think it's still USC's division to lose. No other way to say it. The South has been, it feels like more affected than the North by cancellations. I mean, Utah's missed two games. ASU's missed two games. And those are two teams who would have likely competed for the Pacto South title. Probably better than Colorado, in my opinion. Both those teams, for real. The Utes, I think, are very good. I think they proved that last week against UW. They just kind of fell apart with all the loss of the talent. So in the South, no big matchup. Just USC's division to lose. Their last two remaining games are both very winnable. The game on Sunday against the Cougs should be pretty fun to watch. Actually, really fun to watch, honestly. You're looking at probably a really high-scoring offense affair. But for USC, just play up to your standards. That's it. Nothing else really to it. Get it done. You're the most talented division out of all the teams that are still remaining. You've freaking lucked out with the onside kick. You need to take advantage now. And if you can't take advantage this year after the opening miracle win, then I may start to join the side of USC fans with what's Clay Helton doing. Granted, does have a conference title. He does have a Rose Bowl victory, and in normal world football, that is very good, but by USC standards, still not getting the job done. I mean, this is the West Coast elite 
blah de blah de blah blah de blah de blah. You've heard me say that before. They're good. We get it. USC is a long story football tradition. So, quick synopsis: in the North, Oregon versus Washington is still everything. In the South, in my opinion, still USC's division to lose. Going to Bartlett's random topic of the day today. <sighs> okay, I think I still might be a little bit mad about. <laughs> <laughs> the call. So we'll start off a little angry today. I think we're all probably frustrated. Let's end on a happier note. And I just want to talk about following your passions. And this stuff sounds so cliche. I, I know, I know, I know. But I can only give you examples from my personal life. So at work, as I mentioned before, if you've been rocking with the show for a while, you know, I work at like, I help kids with Zooms at their Catholic school and just, you know, help them follow the teacher's instructions and that sort of thing. Make sure that social distance, you know, hand sanitizer, 2020 stuff. So originally our program was in the fellowship hall, which is essentially across from the church. And the pastor was right below us. So he didn't really like all the noise the kids make. He's an elderly gentleman and he didn't prefer the noise. So they ended us moving us they ended up moving our program to the basketball gym. Yes. Just yes. Me going to a gym every morning. There's something about it, man. And what it's done is it's given me the opportunity to hoop again. I actually was playing basketball this summer with my friends. Well, like two on two but with coronavirus. Got to respect the rules. You know what I'm saying? And so I got hurt then. I stayed away from the game for a while. And while I probably can't play five and five yet, you still the legs probably still healing up a little bit. Just being able to shoot around, man, and that's what I'm doing today. At the end of the day, the kids finish their schoolwork. I just shooting around. The other workers watching the kids, and man, it it does something to me. Like I don't know what, but it's like freeing, man. Just shooting some jays, just shooting some jays. Got a mask on, my glasses are fogging up, but you're shooting some jumpers, man. It feels so good and so. What I can't tell you what to do because you're your own person and I respect all your individual decisions, I would highly recommend just doing something you're passionate about, man. Because you're not doing something you're passionate about, then what are you doing? Obviously, we all got to make a little chickity check, make a little bit chickity change, make a little money for your wallet, a little dinero, throw it off to Brad Pitt, whatever. What does Brad Pitt have to do with money? I don't know. Moneymaker, Moneyball. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyways. So seriously though, I mean, just do whatever makes you happy. If you're listening to this show, I'm taking a wild guess is probably something sports related. So whether that's watch your favorite team, whether that's brewing your favorite beer, whether that's drawing a picture of art, a picture of art, you can tell I'm not an artist. Do what makes you happy, man. I think if 2020 has taught us anything, it's that nothing in life is guaranteed. Things can change overnight. And we can all just really do our best to make them basically make the most out of every day. What's a better way to say that? Have fun, drink a beer, party a little bit, social distance, and hoop it up. How about that? I mean, seriously though, just do what makes you happy. Obviously, obviously, there are priorities that need to be taking place in life. You got to eat food, got to drink water, got to make that money as we just talked about. Probably got to use the restroom every once in a while. I mean, we're all humans here. Let's be mature about this, even though I'm laughing about it. I do work with kids, a lot of poop jokes. So, um, excuse me, fart jokes. But, um, but seriously, just have fun in life, man. Follow your passion. That's really where I'm getting at. 
I see so many people just with this broken energy in life, man. And I mean, I don't feel bad for them because it is ultimately their life choices. But I prefer to see everyone happier. I just would, man. I would love to see everyone happy. A, a famous quote from John Wooden, old, uh, you know, John Wooden is. <laughs> famous quote from him is, I may not like everyone the same, but I love everyone the same. Something along those lines. And I want to see everyone happy. Everyone doing what they're meant to do in this world. I'm meant to be yelling at you right now. And I'm starting to rambly, rambly, rambly on today. So I think it's time to cut the show. Thank you for tuning in as always, baby. That's going to do it for Bartlett's Random Topic of the Day. Concluding today's show, I went on a rant about high authority Pac-12 media members blaming the referees and taking credit away from Oregon State's phenomenal performance. After that, we talked about the Beavers a little bit and really how their program has changed face and basically in the Jonathan in the Jonathan Smith era took a brief look at the division races where in the north Oregon versus Washington is still everything and in the south it's still USC's division to lose and in Bartlett's random topic of the day I said a bunch of random crap and told you all to follow your passions uh, passions and spend more time doing what you love thanks for tuning in as always guys we got a couple weeks left of the Pac-12 season as I stated earlier in the show Last week was a phenomenal slate of games. Truly, truly, truly entertaining. Just a blast to watch. And while our conference has clearly been eliminated from the college football playoff, that still doesn't mean we can't enjoy Pac-12 football. I'm going to do it. So you might as well do it as well. I'm out. Cheetos and Tuna.